Here on Stolen Lives, we discuss brutal and heartbreaking crimes against children. Themes may include child murder, torture, and sexual, domestic, and child abuse. I do try my best to remain respectful for the babies in these stories and leave out unnecessary details that honestly, none of us need to know to understand the frustration of why and how this ever happened. However, if you find any of these themes triggering, this podcast may not be for you. Listener discretion is advised. Mother's Day 2020, Bolton, United Kingdom. One of the most shocking murders occurred that left many people truly heartbroken. On this day, seven-year-old Emily Jones woke up, excited to spend some time with her mother. The family were visiting a local park for some playtime and ice cream. Unfortunately, evil was lurking and the unthinkable would happen to Emily. This is Emily's story. Emily Grace Jones was born January 18, 2013, in Bolton, Manchester, United Kingdom, to parents Mark Jones and Sarah Barnes. As things sometimes go, Mark and Sarah would separate when Emily was only three years old. But what we generally don't see in this podcast, Mark and Sarah would work together and they remained close friends. They would even live only five minutes from each other on the outskirts of Bolton, all in an effort to do what was best for Emily. Emily was the centre of Mark and Sarah's universe. She was their only child and they shared custody 50-50, often celebrating holidays together like Mother's Day like we see in this episode. In later interviews, Mark would sing the praises of his ex-wife, quote, I have such admiration for Sarah and what a brilliant job she did looking after Emily and making her such a polite little girl. She used to dress her so beautifully all the time and was such a brilliant mum. Unquote. Mark and Sarah had good jobs, both working in law, so little Emily had all the privileges available to her, and both parents made sure Emily's life was packed with experiences. Sarah took her horse riding, swimming, and indoor climbing, while Mark took her for skiing lessons and bodyboarding. They took her on vacation to Portugal, France, and Spain. Mark and Sarah would later describe their beloved daughter as, quote, the light of their lives, unquote, that she was always happy and full of love and laughter. Mark would say that, quote, her heart was as big as her smile, unquote, and she always had this massive cheeky smile on her face. She was a social butterfly at her happiest when surrounded by family and friends. Emily was a contradiction. She had a collection of pink sparkly dresses that she wore every day, but she would also throw on her Wellington boots and stomp in the mud or play any sport her peers were playing, or while wearing said pink sparkly dresses. Sunday, March 22nd, 2020, Mother's Day. Emily woke excited to celebrate the afternoon with her mother. She'd made her mother a card that she was particularly proud of. Mark helped his daughter pick out an outfit, which included a navy jacket with white and red polka dots. It was a gorgeous sunny day, perfect for a day in the park. 2.30pm, Queen's Park in Bolton. And Queen's Park is a massive park with a playground not far from the Bolton city centre. Sundays were traditionally Mark's day with Emily, 
But given it was Mother's Day, Mark and Sarah agreed to meet in the park in the afternoon for an ice cream to celebrate the day. Again, the maturity of this couple. They should be the prototype of what co-parenting and separated parents should be. Mark and Emily got there a little early. Emily was keen to take her scooter for a spin and was doing laps of the park. Mark would time her, challenging Emily to see if she could go faster on each lap. I know that is something my own children love doing, so I could only imagine the smile and determination on Emily's face to beat her last time. And being a parent who just wanted to make your child happy, maybe you'll skim a couple of seconds off to make their day. Just before the last lap, Emily saw her mother Sarah, who was out for a jog before clocking back on for mum duty. Emily begged Mark to let her go and meet her, which of course Mark agreed. With that, Emily shot off down a path that snakes its way down the hill towards Sarah, yelling mummy all the way. Sarah didn't hear this because she had on her headphones. Emily scooted past a park bench, which had a lone woman sitting on it. This woman stands up as Emily approaches and grabs the little girl. She places her in a headlock and slices her throat with a craft knife, one of three that she had bought only hours earlier. The wound was deep and significant. It would later be deemed unsurvivable. Emily and her attacker never exchanged words or even a glance. Nothing to excuse or explain why Emily. Why this state at this time at this place? A complete random attack. Sarah does not see nor hear any of this and she keeps running, completely oblivious to the horrific scene happening nearby. Now initially Mark thought his daughter had fallen off her scooter and that the woman was holding her, that she was only helping Emily back up. That was until a woman nearby screams, quote, she's been stabbed, unquote, and the attacker drops Emily and runs. Nothing matters to Mark at this point but getting to his daughter. He sprints to her and cradles her and begs for someone to help him. Quote, I ran for Emily. I was absolutely terrified. I just knew it was so bad. You don't survive these things. I just thought, I'm going to lose her. I was shouting, just stay with me, Emily. Stay with me. Don't leave me. She was just trying to breathe. It was horrific. I wouldn't wish anyone to see that happen to their own daughter. On occasions, I will go back there. I try not to. But I can just remember her trying to breathe. Just to see your child in that way, I thought, it can't be happening to Emily. Unquote. I imagine what happened next was a blur for Mark. He called Sarah and told her what happened and she made her way back to her daughter. A passerby passed him a t-shirt to try and stem the bleeding. A nurse who happened to be at the park had taken over first aid. While Mark made his way to Emily's side and tried desperately to save her life, Tony Canty and his wife Lindsay were out for a walk in the park to celebrate their first Mother's Day with their newborn daughter. They witnessed all of this happening. Tony acted on impulse. He handed over the baby to his wife and ran after Emily's attacker. He tackled her to the ground and straddled her, all in an effort to detain her until the police arrived. I don't know what they do in the United Kingdom, but Tony Canty, you deserve some kind of key to the city. The bravery and the selflessness that you showed here, this woman was armed and he did not consider his own safety for a moment. He wanted to make sure that Emily's attacker was not going anywhere until police could arrive and serve justice for this sweet little girl. 
Tony would later tell police that the woman was rambling the whole time and not making a lot of sense. She mentioned the home office and how it was Tony that had killed the little girl. Not only that, but he had killed her own entire family. Honestly, I hate to think what could have happened if this man wasn't as brave as he was to make sure the woman didn't get away. I hate to think what other damage he could have caused. Who knows, she may have killed more people on this day. We will never find out a motive or what was going through her mind, what her plans were, if any. Emily would be flown by air ambulance with her adoring parents at her side to Salford Royal Hospital. Seven-year-old Emily Jones would be pronounced dead half an hour after her arrival. Police would quickly identify Emily's attacker as 30-year-old Albanian immigrant Eltunia Skana. Skana entered the United Kingdom illegally in 2014 and immediately applied for asylum. She claimed she was a victim of trafficking, but the Home Office would reject her asylum claim, although after appeal this would be reversed and later granted her leave to remain in the United Kingdom until December 2024. It is not known why her appeal was granted. The thing is, Skana is paranoid schizophrenic, and she would later tell doctors she made up the trafficking story to work the system and get her way. Early 2017, Skana was living with her mother and younger sister. In an argument, she hit her mother with an iron and stabbed her, chasing her sister into a bedroom where she would lock herself in until help arrived. In another incident, she threatened a 13-year-old girl with a knife. It would be only now that NHS would become involved and Skana would receive treatment for her schizophrenia. Skana was receiving injections of antipsychotic medications every month, but then in mid-2019 she would convince doctors these injections were making her mental health worse. So they prescribed her oral tablets instead and sent her on her way. Medication that without, medical experts described Skana as a, quote, ticking time bomb, unquote. That Skana would become psychotically violent when not taking her medication. However, the issue here was, where was the monitoring? Because from September 2019, six months before Emily's death, Skana would cease all psychiatric appointments. Basically, she was left to her own devices. And without that supervision, Scanner would stop taking her medication early 2020. When police would later search her apartment, they found a stash of untaken antipsychotic drugs, at least four weeks' worth. Scanner was arrested and detained under the Mental Health Act. She was charged with Emily's murder and charged with possession of a bladed article. December 2020, Skarner appeared at Manchester Minshaw Street Crown Court from the High Security Rampton Psychiatric Hospital in Nottinghamshire. Her defence pleaded not guilty on her behalf to murder. Prosecutors argued Skarner's poor mental health was a convenient excuse for her actions. In the first few days of the trial and under psychiatric care, doctors would stop Skarner's antipsychotic medication to see how she would react to see if it was a reasonable claim, that she had diminished responsibility due to her mental health issues. And Skana did behave strangely without her medication. She was even seen laughing hysterically at the TV showing a girl who resembled Emily. 
another occasion, she got enraged for no particular reason and was frothing from the mouth. But as soon as she was back on her medication, she became compliant. Sensationally, because of this, prosecutors dropped the murder charge on the seventh day of trial in favour of the lesser manslaughter charge, a charge that she would be found guilty. Eltiana Skana showed no reaction when she was sentenced. A life sentence with a minimum term of eight years. This was a hybrid sentence, and she would be only sent to prison if her treatment allowed it. Judge Mr Justice Wall explained this quote. What this means is that you will be detained in hospital until it is no longer necessary. If or when it is no longer necessary, you will be released to prison. If Skarna is never fit to be released to prison, she will remain in treatment at hospital indefinitely. Unquote. Sarah was inconsolable following the sentence, so it was Mark who gave the victim impact statement to the court on behalf of both of them. Quote, we are beyond devastated that this random act of violence means that we'll never get to see our beautiful little girl grow up into a wonderful young lady she was showing such promise of becoming. It is truly heartbreaking to wake up to a world without Emily in it, and we cannot comprehend why this has happened. Unquote. Two months later, February 2022, Skana's legal team challenged both her sentence and the minimum term. Her lawyers arguing she should have instead been given a hospital order with restrictions, saying her minimum term was too long. But the Court of Appeal judges rejected her appeal. They not only rejected it, but increased her minimum sentence to 10 years and 8 months. So justice in my opinion. Regardless of the minimum sentence, it is believed Skana will never be released. She will either spend the rest of her life in the mental health facility or prison. The rest of her life is not enough for me. Emily did nothing wrong that day besides being a kid and enjoying that special day. She did nothing for a random stranger to target her that day. Skana has it lucky to spend the rest of her life in an institution. That's more than she allowed Emily. NHS Mental Health Unit did complete a review into how this could ever happen and they came to the astonishing conclusion that Emily's death could not have been predicted or prevented. This made Mark understandably furious, quote, You can't possibly write all these failings and then sum it up at the bottom with we think this incident was not preventable. It is absolutely nonsense. They are just trying to deny all responsibility and she was their responsibility, unquote. Emily's school, Markland Hill Primary School, a school that Emily loved so much. They raised more than £14,000 for a memorial garden in her name. In an online tribute, teachers described a creative and cheeky little girl who loved to write and draw and who, quote, would joke that she had finished before the others had even written the date, unquote. As for Emily's parents... Mark has taken part in several interviews in the media, and he has said that he has never truly recovered. Mark states he now takes detours home from work to avoid Queen's Park, and he struggles to look back at past pictures of his daughter, that he still experiences nightmares of what happened that day Emily died. Quote, I've got to live with it for the rest of my life, but I feel I can cope with it, even though it's absolutely horrific. I feel I've got great friends and family around me and Emily's an inspiration. 
I've got to be strong. I'm still strong for her. I've got to get justice for her and do everything I can so it doesn't happen again. I want something good to come out of it. That's what's keeping me going. Unquote. If you have your own thoughts and theories on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook, like the page so you don't miss an episode, and join the discussion group to talk about your thoughts and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, or on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Ali. Hosting and production was also by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Thank you.